Michael Vonnen, and welcome to Second Breakfast Discussing Middle-Earth. Last week, we discussed Numenor and of its fall, who the Numenorians were, and what happened to them before coming to Middle-Earth and founding Arnor and Gondor. It is a brief but still fairly detailed overview, so go ahead and take a listen if you haven't already. It'll help set you up if you want to crack open the Silmarillion and read the Akalabeth, the short narrative that recounts the rise and fall of Numenor. Today, we will be discussing the Hobbits, their origins, their way of life, their homeland, and some of the notable Hobbitses. So, let's get started. If you've been following this podcast for a while, you've heard me say over and over again the term, the children of Iluvatar. This refers to elves and men, the sentient beings on Middle-earth that the god Eru Iluvatar created. These were to be the only sentient beings in Middle-earth. However, we also have the Dwarves and the Ents, which I have made podcast episodes for already, and the Great Eagles. But now we also have Hobbits? Where did they even come from? Well, their exact origins are actually unknown, both in time and in location. In The Lord of the Rings, we find that the Hobbits lost track of how they are related to the big people, as they call them which means they were at one point related to, or maybe derived from, men, since hobbits themselves are mortal and share a similar, but longer lifespan. However, they were first found in northern Middle-earth, in the Vales of the Anduin, between the Misty Mountains and Mirkwood. At this time, there were three tribes or kinds of hobbits. The Fallowhides, the Stuar, and the Harfoots. The Fallowhides were the least common of the three, living in forested regions near the Eagle's Eyrie. They were fair of skin and hair, great hunters, and befriended the elves, learning much from them, more so than the other hobbits. They were also the first to learn the language Westron, or common speech, and the first to write. They were the most bold and adventurous of all the hobbits. The Stuar hobbits were the ones that most resembled men and were friendly with them. They were also the only hobbits that grew beards. They were heavier than the others and had large hands and feet. These hobbits liked living by riversides. They used boats, fished, and swam. Their home was along the river Anduin, namely the Gladden Fields. And lastly are the Harfoots, who lived in the foothills of the Misty Mountains. They were the most common type of hobbit, had browner skin, and did not wear footwear. These hobbits lived in holes in the ground and were friendly with the dwarves. Yet as we know, not all the hobbits stayed east of the Misty Mountains. Most of the hobbits ended up migrating and settling west of the mountains. The Harfoots were the first to migrate, where they found the Dunedain, who named them the Perianoth, meaning halfling. This was around the year 1000 in the Third Age. They began many settlements and villages, but came to Bree in the 1300s. The Fallowhides began their migration about a hundred years later, but they crossed the Misty Mountains further north than the Harfoots. Because of their boldness and lifestyle, they ended up joining Harfoot villages and often became their leaders. It was two Fallowhides named Marcho and Blanco who went into Arnor and by permission of the king founded the Shire west of the Brandywine River. The Stuars were content in the Vale of the Anduin, but some of them did migrate west, this time crossing further south. Some of them settled for a time in Dunland, 
but many migrated up north to the Shire as well, though the Harfoots were mainly the ones who colonized the Shire. But as time passed and they all mingled, the three clans became known as one race of hobbits. When the Brandywine was crossed and the Shire established, the hobbits began the Shire Reckoning, which was their own calendar and closely resembles our own calendar, having 12 months and 30 days to each month. At this time, Arnor was still an established kingdom, and thus the Shire was under their lordship. But after the war with the Witch King of Angmar, Arnor as a kingdom ended, separating into three petty kingdoms. And from here, the hobbits instead had a thane from their own people to lord over the Shire, the first of which was Bucca, whose family was the Old Bucks. They eventually crossed the Brandywine and founded Buckland, from which their name changed to Brandybuck. When they left, the new Thane was of the Took family. Both the Tooks and the Brandybucks bore fallow high traces with them. By the year 3000 of the Third Age, the Shire held several families as we remember from Bilbo's speech, the main ones being Bagginses and Boffins, Tooks and Brandybucks, Grubs, Chubs, Hornblowers, Bulgers, Bracegirdles, and Proudfoots. The Took family took the office of Thane, after the Brandybucks left. The earliest Took recorded being Isumbris Took, the 13th Thane of the Shire. Thaneship passed down through the family all the way to Peregrine Took, Pippin, who eventually became the 32nd Thane of the Shire. Since they held many fallowhide characteristics, they were more bold and adventurous than the other hobbits. The Brandybuck family, as was said, were the first Thanes of the Shire before moving and establishing Buckland. They had some fallowhide in them, but were mostly stewerish. In Buckland, they founded the village Buckleberry. They were quite powerful in relation to the other hobbits, forming their own militia, which formed on two occasions, when the white wolves crossed over the frozen Brandywine River, and when the Nazgul entered looking for Baggins. The Boffins were derived from the stewers and lived in the East Farthing. Bilbo had a Boffin ancestor. The Grubs were a wealthy family related to the Bagginses as well. One of Bilbo's grandmothers was a Grub. And so were the Chubs. They were related to the Bagginses as well, because Bilbo's other grandmother was a Chub. Not much is said about the Bulger family, except for a notable Fredegar Fatty Bulger, who we will discuss soon. And same goes for the Bracegirdles, who lived in Hardbottle. A notable bracegirdle was Lobelia Sackville Baggins before she married into the Sackville Baggins family. The Proudfoots were known for their very large and hairy feet, and insisted that it was Proud Feet, not Proudfoots. Finally, we have the Bagginses. The earliest recorded Baggins was Balbo Baggins. They lived throughout the Shire, but mostly in or around Hobbiton. They were well respected and connected to many of the other families. They bore two other branches, the Sackville Bagginses and the Chubb Bagginses. Alright, now let's talk geography. The Shire was divided into farthings, the North, South, East, and West farthings. The West farthing held Hobbiton, where Bilbo and Frodo lived in Bag End. It also held the capital of the Shire Michael Delving, where the Thane resided, and thus the Tooks. It was in a region called Tookland. However, there were also the North Tooks who lived in the North Farthing. The North Farthing was the least populated, 
and it was where most of the Shire's barley came from for their beer. Hard bottle was located here, and thus the brace girdles. The North Farthing was also the battleground for the Battle of Green Fields when orcs invaded the Shire. The hobbits fought back, led by Banderbris Bullroarer Took, who we will discuss in a bit. The South Farthing was a rural area where Gamwich was located, the origins of the Gamgee family. It was here where most of the pipeweed was grown and produced, including Longbottom Leaf. If you watch the two towers again, when Pippin and Merry find the storehouse in Isengard, on the barrels it will say South Farthing on them, and Merry calls it the finest weed in the South Farthing. It was also home to the Sackville Bagginses. And finally, we have the East Farthing, where the hobbits travel through in the Lord of the Rings, where Farmer Maggot resides and where the Nazgul chase them to Buckleberry Ferry. The hobbits shared a very rich and vibrant culture. They enjoyed farming, gardening, food, ales, smoking, parties, and giving presents. It was customary for hobbits on their birthday to give other hobbits small presents before the party, only as expensive as they could afford. Poor Bilbo when more than half of the Shire was invited to his 111st. But he had quite a bit of wealth from his adventure with the dwarves, so I'm sure he didn't mind too much. The hobbits were a peaceful people, keeping to themselves and keeping their noses out of trouble, except for when Gandalf shows up and disturbs the peace. They mostly lived in hobbit holes, though some did live in low-built houses. According to the book, the hobbits eat six meals, breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, lunch, afternoon tea, and dinner slash supper. They aren't innate fighters, but are great with bows and rock throwing, as we often see in the movies. I will sum up their lifestyle with an excellent excerpt from the Fellowship of the Ring, concerning hobbits. As for the hobbits of the Shire, with whom these tales are concerned, in the days of their peace and prosperity, they were a merry folk. They dressed in bright colors, being notably fond of yellow and green. But they seldom wore shoes, since their feet had tough, leathery soles and were clad in a thick curling hair, much like the hair on their heads, which was commonly brown. Thus, the only craft little practiced among them was shoemaking. But they had long, skillful fingers, and could make many other useful and comely things. Their faces were, as a rule, good-natured, rather than beautiful. Broad, bright-eyed, red-cheeked, with mouths apt to laughter, and to eating and drinking. And laugh they did, and eat and drink, often and heartily, being fond of simple jests at all times, and of six meals a day, when they could get them. They were hospitable and delighted in parties, and in presents, which they gave away freely and eagerly accepted. Okay, now let's discuss some notable hobbits. First, I will go back to Banderbris Bullroarer Took, who, if you're curious, is the great-great-granduncle of Bilbo. He was the largest hobbit, standing at a whopping four foot five inches tall, and was able to ride a horse, not just a pony. That is, until Merry and Pippin drank the ant droughts and grew larger. Bullroarer led the hobbits in the Battle of Greenfields against the orcs in the North Farthing. And according to the Hobbit novel, wielding a wooden club, he knocked the orc chieftain's head off, sending it a hundred yards and down a rabbit hole, 
ending the battle, and inventing the game of golf at the same time. Gandalf retells much of this history in the Hobbit movie, An Unexpected Journey. Next is another Took, Gerontius, or the Old Took. He was the oldest Hobbit to ever live, until Bilbo, with the help of the One Ring, outlasted him. He was the Thane of the Shire during the harsh winter where the wolves came to the Shire, which I mentioned earlier. He was a friend to Gandalf and was the grandfather of Bilbo, lending his Tookish qualities to Bilbo. He gave birth to 12 children, another record, until Samwise Gamgee beat that too. I have already mentioned Bucca, the first Thane, and who founded the Brandybuck family in Buckland, as well as the first Took Thane named Isambras Took. Next is Paladin II, who was the father of Peregrine Took. He was a grandchild of the old Took. He became the Thane of the Shire by default when the direct line ended without an heir. He was influential against Saruman and Lotho Sackville Baggins during the scouring of the Shire, resisting Lotho and his ruffians. She and her son Lotho were even more angry when Bilbo left Bag End to Frodo, who was more of a distant relative than she was. She eventually received it after Frodo sold it to her when she left the Shire. We also have Lotho Sackville Baggins, who was the main Hobbit villain during the War of the Ring. After Frodo and the Hobbits leave on their quest, Lotho takes up residence in Bag End. But he was also responsible for sending Sauron Longbottom Leaf from the South Farthing, and thus gaining money, wealth, and power enough to overthrow the mayor in Michael Delving. Sauron also sent men to Lotho, who they called ruffians, and he began to industrialize the Shire, taking control over it and ruining its beauty. To the other hobbits, Lotho was simply known as Pimple. Yet, his reign ended when Saruman came to the Shire and took control of it with Grima Wormtongue. Lobelia was imprisoned and Lotho disappeared. Saruman, or Sharky, as the hobbits call him, reveals that Grima killed Lotho. And now we come to Fredegar Fatty Bulger. He was the son of the old Took, and his younger sister would eventually marry Mariadoc Brandybuck. He and another dwarf named Falco helped Frodo move his things from Bag End to Crick Hollow before continuing to Rivendell to deliver the ring. They kept his departure secret for as long as they could. He also encountered the Nazgul, but escaped. He fought against the ruffians during the scouring, but was imprisoned and starved. Thus, upon his release, no one could call him fatty anymore. And lastly, we come to the big five. Bilbo, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin. But since we know so much about them, I will only recap their events during The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and speak also on their lives after the events of Lord of the Rings. Bilbo was an unusual and adventurous hobbit from his youth, and Gandalf took notice of this, which is one of the reasons why he chose him as Thorin's burglar. On his journey, he finds the One Ring, though he does not know what it is other than just a magic ring that turns him invisible. It also began slowing his aging. After 60 years of being the ring bearer, not aging visually but physically feeling weak and stretched, 
he decided to go on one last adventure before settling and finishing his book. After a confrontation with Gandalf over the ring, he left it to Frodo, the first ring bearer to willingly give it up. Bilbo then traveled to Rivendell and settled there, finishing his book. He also attended the Council of Elrond, lending his story of how he came to possess the ring for the first time openly. Frodo's mother was a brandybuck, and thus he spent much of his childhood in Buckland and befriending both Merry and Pippin. When his parents died, Bilbo adopted him as a distant relative. When Bilbo left the ring to Frodo, the movies don't portray this, but 17 years goes by between when Gandalf leaves the ring with Frodo and when he returns to tell him that it's the One Ring and it should leave the Shire. Frodo is 50 when he leaves for Rivendell, the same age as Bilbo when he started his journey. After he returned from the war, he helped the hobbits save the Shire from Saruman, who all ended up defeating the ruffians in the Battle of Bywater, the last battle in the War of the Ring. He then served as deputy mayor of the Shire. He soon retired due to his pains and wounds from the journey. Samwise was a gardener and poet with a love for elves and wonder for the outside world, thanks to the stories and teachings of Bilbo. He was chosen to accompany Frodo to Rivendell, and then as part of the Fellowship as well. He accompanied him all the way to Mount Doom, saving him and encouraging him the whole way. He was even a ring-bearer himself, albeit for a short while. He was the second ring-bearer to willingly give the ring up. After the scouring, Sam married Rosie Cotton, and they had 13 children. Eleanor the Fair, Frodo, Rose, Mary, Pippin, Goldilocks, Hamfast, Daisy, Primrose, Bilbo, Ruby, Robin, and Tolman. Sam was eventually elected mayor of Michael Delving and served for seven consecutive terms. Marriottic Brandybuck was considered the most intelligent of the four hobbits, crafting the plans for Frodo's departure from the Shire and aided them in many ways along the road to Rivendell. He and Pippin were captured by the Urukai and eventually escaped and found Treebeard, encouraging him and the ants to go to war against Saruman, and they took Isengard. Afterwards, Merry stayed with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli and Rohan, eventually becoming a squire in Theoden's service. He stabbed the Witch King with his sword from the Barrow Downs, which was a Numenorean sword and one of the few which could hurt the Nazgul, allowing Eowyn to kill him. For his bravery, King Eomer knighted him. He married Estella Bolger and was counted as the tallest hobbit after drinking the Ent Drought, yes, even slightly taller than Pippin. He became master of Buckland until he left at age 102 when he returned to Rohan and Gondor with Pippin. Peregrine Took was Mary's first cousin and was Frodo's second cousin once removed. He accompanied Frodo to Rivendell and was part of the Fellowship, causing all sorts of havoc, like dropping a stone down the well in Moria, alerting the orcs to their presence. After the battle at Isengard and Helm's Deep, he looked into the Palantir. Thus, he and Gandalf had to leave for Gondor. There, he joined the Guard of the Citadel for Denethor in place of Boromir's death. 
After the scouring, he married Diamond of Long Cleave, and they had a son named Faramir Took, who later married Sam and Rosie's daughter, Goldilocks. He became the 32nd Thane of the Shire for 50 years before retiring. Then he went to visit Rohan and Gondor with Mary, and he remained in Gondor for the rest of his life. When King Aragorn died, Mary and Pippin were laid to rest next to him. Two years after the scouring of the Shire, it came time for the ring bearers to leave Middle-earth. Elrond, Galadriel, Gandalf were leaving, and with them went Bilbo on his final adventure, as well as Frodo so he could heal from his wounds. He left Sam the Red Book of Westmarch, the book written by Bilbo and Frodo chronicling their tales, with soon-to-be-added text from Sam. And sometime after Rosie died in the year 61 of the Fourth Age, Sam gave the book to his daughter Eleanor, who was the last person to see him. For he went to the Grey Havens and passed over the sea to the Undying Lands, a ring-bearer himself, so that he could be reunited with Frodo once again. There is so much to the Hobbits and the Shire to tell, and much that I missed. Lots of other Hobbits, smaller details, etc. But this should provide you with all the main information for the Hobbits, like where they came from, what they're like, what the Shire was like, and who the famous Hobbits are, many of whom are mentioned in the movies. But before I conclude, I have to mention that Smeagol was once a Stuar Hobbit who lived in the Gladden Fields which is how he came to find the Ring of Power. Though, after becoming Gollum, he often isn't really counted as a hobbit anymore. But at one point, yes he was. Next week on Second Breakfast, we will be discussing my favorite battle in Middle-earth, the Nirnaeth Arnoidiad, or the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. I have been wanting to cover the battles of Middle-earth, so I would like to start with my favorite. Farewell.